Hello and welcome to Legendary Africa, the podcast where a disembodied voice speaks about African myths, legends, and folklore straight into your ear canal. If you can hear me through all this dust, wax, and... Was that a spider? Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at LegendaryPod and Twitter at LegendaryPod1. Oh. has been a real bitch to us, hasn't it? I mean, wildfire in Australia, airplane crashes in Iran and Pakistan, locust swarms in East Africa, violent unrest in India and America, COVID fucking 19, and now Chadwick Boseman? When I read the news about Chadwick Boseman having passed away, I definitely shed a few tears. And these are only some of the many crazy things which have happened in the world this year. Of course, for me, 2020 has been the worst because I've lost Australia. But... I wanted to spend a few minutes focusing on a few good things which have happened this year. The second person in the world has been cured of HIV. Adam Castelio is now free of the disease thanks to stem cell treatment, and although it is extremely risky and is not as yet offered to all patients, this may be an indicator for a cure in the coming years. Australia is no longer burning. The last fire was put out in March this year, and the forests and plant life are slowly recovering. Scientists have performed the first successful in vitro fertilization of a cheetah, and the mother cheetah has actually given birth to two healthy cubs at the Columbus Zoo in Ohio. This success may actually provide another way to help endangered species around the world. So there aren't good things happening. Positive things that we do need to remember amidst all this shit. (laughs) The other thing I want to talk about is an article I read this week by Luke Vipera titled Chadwick Boseman and Life's End as a New Beginning. Vipera is a Ghana-born Londoner who is an anthropology graduate from the University of Oxford who writes about African history. He wrote an article after Chadwick Boseman passed away which spoke about how the afterlife is viewed by many African cultures, that is, as a place where you may join your ancestors while those you left behind in the living realm are still connected with you and can still talk and laugh with you in some way. Through our thoughts and actions, we are still connected to those who have passed on. So I found this comforting because I thought that perhaps Rochelle is in the spirit realm with um, our other loved ones who have passed on and our ancestors, and she's safe and happy and no longer in any pain. And I thought, that's alright then, isn't it? Because she's still with us, and we're still with her. And we'll see it again when we also go to join the land of the spirits. So please go read the article by Luke Papera. I'll leave a link to the article in the show notes, it's really brilliantly written. Before we get into today's tale, I wanted to read out some amazing reviews that some lovely people have recently left for the podcast. A user from Canada, by Level one I really enjoyed listening to this podcast, it's a very unique and interesting concept for a podcast. The open discussions allow the hosts to share their naturally funny and engaging personalities. You can tell they're very well researched and have great knowledge of the content. Recommend giving this podcast a listen and subscribe. A user from America, we sure are. There are so many interesting myths and legends in Africa, and I haven't heard any before. It is so well researched and covered, I can't get enough. Keep up the good work. And by Mason Vandy. If you don't listen to this pod, you really should. It's a great podcast that tells old school folk tales and fables from Africa, and they are so addicting. When I first heard them, I binged through the entire first season, 
Now I'm subbed in Conway for more episodes. The host is great and has a soothing voice that feels like we're getting a cup of coffee and just telling me a story. Be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you. That's so sweet. Um, a user from the UK, Hestia Carmichael. It says in the title, this podcast is legendary. Thank you so much. That was so nice to read. I really appreciate them. So today's story is a little different. Today I'm going to tell you about the unsolved mystery, the disappearance of Rosalind Ballingall, and the legend which surrounds her. Rosalind Ballingall was a 20-year-old woman who studied at the University of Cape Town, South Africa. On the 12th of August 1969, Rosalind left her house and vanished into thin air. No trace of her has been found since that day. So what happened? Let's rewind. 11 August 1969 Rosalind Ballingall hopped in a car, picked up her friend Sadia Sergia, a student from Ukraine, and another woman called Dara Geffen, whom she had never met before, and drove from Cape Town to Nizhna, which is about a five-hour drive. Due to severe stress caused from a drama production Rosalind was working on, she decided to take a break with these two women away from the city. They arrived together at a house on the edge of Nizhna Forest, which belonged to Peter and Denise Davis, where they stayed the night. The next morning, Rosalind told her companions that she was going to go for a walk and reportedly spoke to the housekeeper to ask whether there was a church in the area. The gardener of the property also said that he saw Rosalind leave via a group of trees near the end of the garden, but wasn't sure which way she had went. On this morning, Rosalind was dressed in a jersey, trousers and sandals, and was carrying a Bible with her. A cloak and bracelet had been left in the house. Lara and Sadia were initially unconcerned when Rosalind didn't come back after some hours, but grew anxious when it became dark and she still hadn't returned. The girls claimed that they didn't alert the police straight away, as they knew a police search would only be possible in the morning. Early the next morning, police began searching for Rosalind, after Denise Davis reported her missing. The investigative department, suspecting a more sinister reason for her disappearance, began questioning local residents but could obtain no information of where she went that morning. A few days later, after word had gone around about her disappearance, three residents reported to the police that they had seen Rosalind buying stamps at the local post office on the morning of the 11th of August. One of these residents also claimed that Rosalind had then stood with two men next to their parked car. However, this lead soon went cold. Police then took tracker dogs into the forest near the Davis' house to search for any possible scent, but recent rain had destroyed all trace and scent of Rosalind. Then, on the 18th of August, Rosalind's father, who was a rich executive of a mining company, came to Johannesburg to search for Rosalind himself. He began his investigation first with the three witnesses who claimed to have seen his daughter in the post office. After they described the woman they saw to him, Rosalind's father was convinced that it was his daughter whom these three people had seen. He then searched throughout Nizhna by himself, questioning all of Rosalind's friends and anyone who had seen or talked to her, desperate to know what happened to his daughter. He even briefly contemplated that she had run away to a convent, but could find no evidence of this. While the police searched for Rosalind, a number of people who claimed to be her friends arrived in Nizhna to help the police search for her. Some of these friends apparently arrived in a beach buggy wearing ponchos and playing pipes and drums. 
This led to the rumour that Rosalind was a member of either a hippie community or a strange cult. It must have been the beach buggy which was giving off the cult vibes. This new development in Rosalind's case led to a later bolder descriptions of her, such as this report which described her as tall, willowy extrovert who embraced the new society of the 60s, the spirit of love and peace in miniskirts and eastern mysticism, a girl who had shrugged off the security and comfort offered by her wealthy parents without a backward glance, choosing an alternative lifestyle and mixed with an offbeat crowd known as the Cosmic Butterflies. Someone who had cultivated the friendship of student dropouts and those interested in the occult, and was reported to have joined the butterflies in bizarre rituals which were conducted in Neisner Forest. However, this report also proved to be fruitless, and the police eventually called off the search 14 days after Rosalind went missing, having found no evidence of any such rituals in the Neisner Forest. Nearly a month after her disappearance, Rosalind's mother arrived in George in the Western Cape. She insisted on conducting her own personal research and firmly believed that, until her daughter's body was found, they should not give up the search or give up hope that she was alive. She dismissed the reports of Rosalind being involved in a hippie community or any cult organisations and instead believed that perhaps her daughter suffered from amnesia and did not even know that she was lost. She issued an appeal to her daughter, asking her to come home or at least let us know where you are. Despite her mother's rejection of cults and hippie rituals, Reports in the following year that a hippie commune existed in Neisner Forest led the police to search in the forest again for Rosalind. Again, the search bore no results, and Rosalind's mother insisted that Rosalind was not the type of girl to get involved in such things. Of course, uh, you know, we all know that parents don't always know what their kids are up to. Not me. I was a model child. <laughs> but some of the kids, you know, parents don't always know what's going on. A few weeks later, however, reports came in to say that Rosalind had been seen in Cape Town by three people, two of which were her friends. One witness, Eddie Forey, insisted that it was Rosalind whom he saw, since he was her good friend, and even lived with her and her brother Andrew for some time. Eddie described his friend as healthy and behaving normally, and that she was with a young man with long hair. Another witness, however, appeared to contradict the statement, describing Rosalind as very pale as though she had been ill or had not been outside for a long time, and that she wore hippie-type clothes. Another contradiction to Eddie's statement was that Rosalind's mother did not know at all that Rosalind and Andrew had shared a house with Eddie. Although I'm beginning to think that there were many things Rosalind's mother didn't know about her children. Another theory came about when the Ballon girls decided to consult a psychic. Ten months after Rosalind went missing, Ballengals made an appointment to see a famous Dutch psychic, Ferrad Kruiset, otherwise known as the Miracle Man of Utrecht. The psychic was apparently also a magnetic healer and had an incredible success rate with helping the police solve over 400 missing people's cases worldwide. When he consulted with the Ballengals, he simply said, Your daughter drowned in a river in the forest, probably on the very day she disappeared. Another element complicated the case of the missing student. Edward John Siebert, a hard labour prisoner who had been free when Rosalind went missing. He claimed to know where she could be found, but when the Bell and Girl spoke to him, he gave them very vague answers and manipulated them into paying for information, which he never gave them. Eventually, Siebert claimed that he had a drug deal with another man, who was using Rosalind as someone to keep the drug safe until the deal was made. The drug dealer told Siebert that there was a reward being offered for the return of Rosalind to her parents, 
and that they could return her and receive the money for themselves. However, apparently Rosalind overheard this, and the drug dealer and herself got into a physical fight, in which he tried to hit her face, but instead hit her neck when she moved to block his fist. Ah! She fell and lay unmoving on the ground. Siebert and the drug dealer then wrapped Rosalind's body in a rug, and took her to where the ground was soft from recent rain, and buried her. But when the police asked him to take them to the burial site, he insisted on a detailed list of conditions which included a substantial reward. When the time came to lead them and Rosalind's father to the body, Siebert insisted that he wouldn't go with the Brixton police, the police which were assigned to guard him on the way to Nice the Forest. He went on to rant about the police being sadists and how Rosalind's father could have what's left of his daughter free of charge, a password he can also have and frame it to be hanged in his office to remind him of his big talk. Yes, he can have her bones to showcase. Clearly this okayed some serious issues. Rosalind's father, however, was relieved to hear this, as Seabird's statement regarding Rosalind's password was actually false. She had left her password with her parents, and it could not therefore be with her body or with Seabird. Clearly, Seabird was lying. Legends, myths, and theories continued to be spun around Rosalind's death years and years after her disappearance. One theory suggests that Rosalind had been murdered, and dumped in a pit in Neisner Forest. This was refuted when the police found no evidence of a body in the pit, although they did find a skull with a broken jaw, but this turned out to be several centuries old. Another rumour claimed that she was involved in a violent altercation between two male lovers and herself. The rumour goes that one lover believed that Rosalind was having an affair with his other lover, and so he killed her and cut her up into pieces before dumping these pieces around the forest. Again, no evidence could be found to support this rumour. Rosalind's parents eventually died in the mid-1980s, still searching for their daughter, who was declared officially dead in 1986. So when I was reading about this mystery, many very serious and plausible theories came to mind. Theory number one, Rosalind joined a vampire community. This is why she was so pale, as if she had not been in the sun. And I recall that Bram Stoker's Dracula had long hair, so clearly the man Eddie Forey saw was a Dracula. Theory number two, alien abduction. That's it. That's, that's the theory. Theory number three. She fell into a portal and is now in Narnia, ruling as a queen. Theory number four. She fell into a portal and is now in Scotland, 1743, where she meets a group of rebel highlanders and falls in love. Right? Outlander? Any Outlander fans out there? Theory number five. Russian spy. You know? No? Not buying it? Okay. She accidentally fell into a rip in time and space and has arrived in the planet of the apes. I feel like that's the most plausible so far. But seriously, I could go on. What are your theories? Aliens, vampires, plain old murder? Let me know. Maybe we can figure out together what happened to Rosalind Ballingall on the 12th of August, 1969. So my only source for this story is from a book called Unsolved Mysteries of Southern Africa by Rob Marsh. 
As usual, I have a great promo for you guys, this time from the Brown Girls Read podcast. The podcast is hosted by two women of colour, Daman Tiwana and Kaiti Thakur, who speak about and discuss one book per episode. It's brilliant. Have a listen. Hi everyone, this is Daman Tiwana. And this is Kathy Thakur. Both of us love reading books. And now, we are bringing our take on books for you. Each month, we will read one book and discuss it on our podcast, Brown Girls Read. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and follow our Instagram, Brown Girls Read Pod. Keep listening! Before you go, I've got a few uh, podcast shout-outs I'd like to do, this time episode-specific. The first podcast is Enchanted Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast about the global history of magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. Enchanted explores the cultural impact and practice of magic from the Bronze Age to today. Um, so there's new episodes every other Friday, and go to enchantedpodcast.net for more info. Now, I listened to the Wickedest Man in the World episode, which was simply delightful. The episode was centered on Alistair Crowley, and this episode was just fascinating. Before listening, I'd only heard of Alistair Crowley's name, but the host provides a detailed and gripping discussion of who he was, and the manner in which he defied social expectations. Really an excellent listen. Find Enchanted on Twitter at EnchantedPod and Instagram at EnchantedPodcast. The next one is the Historical Paranormal Podcast. So this podcast discovers the why behind the ghost story, and it delves into both true crime uh, occurring before 1950, as well as traditional ghost stories. So this podcast had actually been one of Rochelle's favorites. And now I see why. I listened to The Cause of the Pharaohs, and it was so well done. Very clearly well-researched, and the host had been using primary uh, sources for discussion, which, as a classic classic student, I love. So if you're interested in mummies, curses, and the possible truth behind it all, listen to this episode. Find Historical Paranormal on Instagram at Historical Paranormal. The last podcast is 30-Minute Expert. Co-hosts Zach and Katie. Um, learn about a different topic every week. In this podcast, every episode, Katie challenges Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. But the catch is, he only has 30 minutes to do this. Using the power of the internet and a little humor and love, Zach and Katie want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, anyone can learn about anything in the world if they put their mind to it. Okay, firstly, I was grinning within the first few minutes of listening to this uh, to the episode, Pizza. Obviously, I chose this episode as the first episode of their podcast to listen to because, I mean, who wouldn't? Pizza? I wouldn't learn about that. Truly, though, it's an interesting history of the origin of pizza, and the host's engaging, fun, and intelligent personalities will keep you gripped throughout the episode. Give them a listen and subscribe. You will not regret it. Find them on Twitter at 30MinuteExpertPod and Instagram at 30MinuteExpertPodcast. All of these amazing podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Go listen, subscribe, and share the great work. As usual, I'll have information about them in the show notes. So that wraps up today's episode. I have been your host, the Shira, the disembodied voice you cannot escape. Legendary Africa is produced by the infamous Hestia the Dog. And as you know, we have an unpaid intern as well, Athena the Doggo. They're actually here with me today, laying on the bed while I record. I don't know. Athena, do you want to say anything? Hello? Athena? Hello? Nope. Okay. You know what, babe? I'm sure they send their love. <laughs> Thank you for listening and joining me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember to subscribe to Legendary Africa wherever you listen. iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, wherever. 
and share with your friends, family, and assorted pets. Even your goldfish, even though it won't remember me like five seconds after hearing my voice. Also, if you enjoy the podcast and want to share that love, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, Apple users, and Podchaser for Android peeps. Um, I always give a shout out to my reviewers, so do send me the review that you um, put up or tell me that you've reviewed me and I'll give you a shout out on my episode. We also have a YouTube channel and a website, so go check that out. We'll be updated relatively regularly with podcast episodes and other random stuff. All links will be found in the um, show notes below. Check us out on Instagram at LegendaryPod and Twitter at LegendaryPod1. I'll see you next Saturday with an all-new ancient myth, legend, or tale from a beautiful continent of Africa. Until then, tell your loved ones you love them, thank the angel on your shoulder, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Bye!